I think whenever we go through American history, one of the things that we as Americans especially can kind of have a, a kind of bitterness, bitter taste in our mouth toward is the idea of a monarchy. A monarchy being like a kingship, somebody who is ultimately a, a king over a nation. And the reason for that is pretty historical. 1776, King George taxing us without rep- representation and whatnot. We as Americans tend to kind of look upon that, that idea as a king as a bit of a tyrant, a dictator, somebody who ultimately is not very appealing, especially in today's political environment. But the reality is we as Americans kind of need to learn how to reconcile that. We kind of need to learn how to get over that if we're going to celebrate today's feast day properly. Today, you and I celebrate the feast day of Christ, the King of the universe. A relatively new feast day in the history of the church. It's not as old as Easter or Christmas by any stretch of the imagination. It goes back to around 1947, right after World War II. Pius XII decided to consecrate the world, and later on Vatican II said the universe, all creation to the kingship of Christ. To the kingship of Christ. So that leaves us a little bit of work to do. How do we reconcile kingship without tyranny? Kingship without anger? Kingship without fascism? And I think for us, the best example to look toward isn't necessarily real-life examples. There's, you know, we look around the world, there's not a, not a lot of great kings I'd necessarily hold up and, and, and canonize. But there is one king that I do think we can all relate to. And that is a king that was first revealed to us in the 1990s. I think 1994 was the, was the, the day. And that was Mufasa, the Lion King, the original Lion King. To me, growing up, he was what it meant to be a king. He was the ultimate king, and for a number of reasons. In fact, I would argue if we look into the whole theology, the whole story of the Lion King, we're looking at what it means to be a Christian. So how does it all begin? We have Mufasa, the benevolent king, ruling over the pride lands in peace. What does he do? He creates. He creates a little miniature version of himself in Simba. If you haven't seen The Lion King, well, you'll get some spoiler alerts. Sorry. But anyway, hopefully you have. It's a pretty popular movie. Very big deal. All right. So anyway, he creates Simba. And so what happens? Simba is the heir to the throne. But what is wrong with Simba? Everything. Everything is wrong with him. What does he want to do? All he wants to do is be king. He summarizes in that that song, I just can't wait to be king. And he just sings, you know, he sings it all. And what does he love about it? He loves the idea of telling people what to do. He loves the idea of being able to command and order people around. Hey, do this, stop that, you know, yield for this. And people respond. He loves it whenever people obey him. The sad irony is the more and more he loves these blessings of being a king, the less and less of a blessing he is to his father. And what ultimately happens? Simba, and I'll never forget these words, deliberately disobeys Mufasa. He deliberately 
disobeys his father. He disobeys his king. And what, what's the start of it? What creates the problems there? A massive stampede of wildebeest, which ultimately results in the death of his father. The death of his father. And what did Mufasa do? If Mufasa wouldn't have given his life at that moment to save Simba from the stampede of wildebeest, what would have happened? Simba would have died instead. But Mufasa chose to give his life, ultimately, for the life of his son. But what happens to his son? He feels like any one of us would feel. Tremendously guilty, shameful, sad. And who rubs in that guilt? His uncle Scar, the representative of Satan in this picture. He's rubbing in the guilt. Hey, what's wrong with you? You're such a terrible person. You're awful. You're terrible. And so what does Simba do? He does what many of us would do in this situation. He runs. He runs and he runs and he runs into the desert. And what does he find? He finds two friends, lead to a lot of good comic relief, Timon and Pumbaa. And what ultimately do we find in Timon and Pumbaa? We find in them a philosophy that every single one of us longs to live for. Akuna Matata. Akuna Matata. Which sounds lovely, especially to a teenage boy. It means no worries. No worries for the rest of your days. It's a problem-free philosophy. And that's how Simba chooses to live. In the midst of his shame, in the midst of his guilt, in the midst of the recognition that he was meant for something else, what does he choose to do? He runs and shirks all responsibility. He runs and shirks all goals, all purposes of his life, and instead he chooses to live Akuna Matata. Seems nice on the surface. But then something happens. Nala comes running in his conscience and says, Simba, what are you doing? What are you doing? My friends, isn't this the story of all of us? How many of us sin, do something wrong, do something that ultimately causes guilt, and whenever we're confronted about it, what do we do? A, we choose, look, hey, no worries. It doesn't mean anything. We either downplay it or we deny it. That wasn't me. I can't do that. I'm not going to go and, sh- and re- reclaim my responsibilities. There's no way I'm going to do it. That was Simba's reaction whenever his conscience came calling, whenever reality started to strike in, and whenever the truth came in that he wasn't destined to live a kuna matata. He was destined for kingship. He was destined for greatness. And so what does Simba do? Simba does something very interesting. He does what every last one of us should do at least, bare minimum, once a year. And he goes and he sees the priest, Rafiki. And what does Rafiki do? Rafiki does what every good priest does in the sacrament of confession. He takes his stick, he whacks Simba on the head, and he says, remember, you are a king. Remember you are a king. Enough acting like a boy. Enough acting like a child. You are meant for something more. You are meant for something great. 
You weren't meant for this. And it was at that moment that Simba has the realization by looking inside of himself and looking inside of who he is, he has the realization of who he's really called to be. His real identity, not as a child, not as, a, as, a, as, a, as a, an irresponsible teenager, but as a king. And who does he see in that moment, in that moment of doubt, in that moment of confusion? He sees his father again. He sees his father again. And it's at that moment that he gets the courage and the strength to go forth and reclaim his kingship. Go forth and take his rightful place on the throne of the pride lands. Guys, that's Simba's story. But that's also our story. We, my friends, have been made by God. Much like Adam. What happened to Adam? Made by God. Son of God. Made in his very image. Much like Simba was made in the image of Mufasa. But Adam chose to deliberately disobey God. Much like Simba chose to deliberately disobey his father. And Adam was banished. Simba was banished. Then what ultimately happened? Somebody came in. Repentance happened. Christ died on the cross. And he opened up the opportunity for Adam to come and leave the fires of hell and enter into the glory of the, of, of the, of, of the kingdom of heaven. And that's our destiny, my friends. Guys, that's what we're called to do. But the only way we're called to do it, and the only way we can possibly do it, is if we properly subject ourselves to the kingship of Christ. And I think Mufasa is a phenomenal image of that. You see, we look at the, the character of Mufasa in The Lion King, we see so clearly God the Father, ultimately doing what? Creating mankind, giving us purpose, giving us meaning, giving us our identity. We see God the Son laying down His life for our salvation. And we see God the Holy Spirit coming back in the image of Mufasa at the end, of, it's kind of toward the, the very end, after, after Simba goes to the priest of Rafiki, after Simba receives confession, ultimately seeing his true identity and realizes who he really is. I mean, isn't that what Mufasa says? Remember. Remember who you are. And is that not what Christ is calling us to do every single day? To recall who we really are. It's not irresponsible human beings. It's not orphans without, without children. It's not orphans without parents. It's not, it's not ultimately people with no responsibility. No, what Christ calls us to do is follow in his footsteps and receive the same crown that he wears in the kingdom of heaven. All we're called to do is abandon what the world wants to give us, that akuna matata lifestyle, and embrace the heavy but beautiful crown of kingship.